chapter number 38 is a very powerful passage of scripture. Uh, That's where we're going to take our text from this morning. I want to read in your hearing today the first six verses. Uh, For those of you that was not here on Wednesday evening, uh, we ministered on this thought, the turn that turned it around. And we talked about in Exodus chapter number three where Moses was on the backside of the desert and when he began to see a burning bush that was not consumed, he said, I will turn aside and see what this taking place. I'll see why this bush isn't burning. But when you read in that passage, it was then when he turned that the Lord saw that he turned, that it says, then the Lord spoke to him out of the burning bush. There's something about when a man or a woman makes a turn. I'm not going to reteach that or re-preach that to, uh, this morning, but I'm going to continue with that thought. But I want to take for a subject this morning, it's time to face the wall. So let us read this passage of scripture together. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for thou shalt die. How many knows that's not a good word at all? And you're not going to live. Then Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and prayed unto the Lord. And he said, remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. Praise the Lord this morning. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord today. Our text is found in Isaiah 38, verses 1 through 6 this morning. For a subject for a few moments today, it is time to face the wall. I cannot overstate the power of prayer cannot be absent from the life of a believer. In order for us to get the context of this passage of scripture that we read together this morning, let me take just a moment and paint a picture for you of what it appears was taking place at this time. We know this, that at this time, Hezekiah is 39 years of age. He has been ruling for 14 years. And we find that it is clear when you begin to read in other passages of scripture, like 2 Chronicles 32 and 25, that it appears that this sickness that had came up on Hezekiah was the result of something that began to get a hold of him. Now, if you read this passage of scripture, you will find that there was a great boils upon his body, and we don't know the extent of that other than that is what is referenced, but it is evident when you begin to look at 2 Chronicles uh, 32 and 25 that this was sickness was allowed to be placed upon Hezekiah because of the simple fact he began to be lifted it up with pride. Now, I know none of us have ever struggled with that, so we'll just skip over that this morning, right? Yeah. Here we find that Hezekiah is in a place where sickness is upon him, 
the word of the Lord comes to him by the prophet and simply says this, you need to get your house in order. He said, because you're not going to live. That is an extension of grace that we could preach for hours on this morning. But the Lord brought visitation to him and said, you're not going to live. Uh, You need to get your house in order and you're going to die. But all of a sudden, when Hezekiah heard this, it penetrated his heart in such a manner that we witness in our text that a man began to turn and he faced the wall. Symbolic of, and many scholars believe that it was significant that he turned because what he was doing was he was turning from everything that he had acquired and therefore basically he was painting the picture of I'm turning from everything that has made me be lifted up in pride. I'm going to say no to everything that has been around me and I'm going to get back to where I need to be. And we find that when he did that, notice he began to weep sorely and he began to cry out unto the Lord. Now, some would say, well, he thinks he's arrogant because when he's praying, notice what he says. Lord, remember, O Lord, uh, that I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart. He's not saying that he was sinless, but what he's praying is this. He's saying, Lord, you know that what I have done in the last 14 years of my kingship uh, in my time of authority, I have done that which was right in your sight. What he was simply doing was reminding the Lord that, you know what, I have tried to the best of my ability to remove all of the idol worship that my father had engaged in, and I've tried to bring true worship back to the house of God. And what he was simply saying is, Lord, I am acknowledging uh, that I have neglected you in this moment of time, and it's so ironic that this is happening to him in the midst of a time of an invasion. This is in the middle of the time of the Assyrian invasion against Judah and the land of Israel. Uh, And we find that in this season, uh, he is stricken with pride. uh, And we find now he's stricken with sickness that is getting ready to take him to a place of death. And all of a sudden, he makes a decision to turn. But he did not just make a decision to turn away from that which he had acquired. uh, But he made a decision to turn in an attitude of prayer. I want to remind us this morning uh, that if there's ever going to be a turn that turns it around, it will be because somebody is not just turning from something, uh, but we're turning to a place of prayer. Notice with me, Proverbs 15 and 8 says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Let me give you the basic definition of the word delight this morning. Uh, it is a high degree of pleasure. What, the, what, what, the, what, the, uh, what we're reading in Proverbs chapter uh, number 15 this morning is simply this, is from Solomon. Uh, he said, but the prayer of the man of God or the woman of God uh, makes the Lord have have a high degree of pleasure. Can I tell you, I want the Lord to take pleasure in my life. But he does not necessarily take pleasure uh, because we check the box of the religious uh, activities that man has created. Uh, But what will bring pleasure to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords this morning uh, is when a man or a woman of God uh, will begin to spend time with him. 
notice Proverbs 15 and 29 says, uh, the Lord is far from the wicked, uh, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. Uh, can I tell you, when we are got a heart that is pure before the Lord, uh, we can rest assured this morning uh, that he will hear us when we pray. In the story that we find in, in Isaiah 38, we know this. Not only does he take delight in the prayer that he hears, but he begins to engage and begins to change things on behalf of the man that is praying. Not only does he take delight in our prayers, but he opens his ears to them. How many knows it's one thing to hear, it's another thing to listen we hear all kinds of things, but what are we really listening to? In the story of Hezekiah, we see the results of one who makes a decision to pray. We find that this was just not any prayer, but this was a prayer in which a man begins to humble himself in the presence of God. And the real definition of prayer is simply this, is the man or a woman understanding that they need something other than themselves. All prayer begins with a posture of humility. We find that in a time of sickness and uncertainty, and even after hearing the pronouncement of death and receiving instructions to get his house in order, notice he refused to become silent and he chose to cry out to the Lord. It appeared that it was already over for him. Everything had already been decided, some would say, there was no use, it seemed, but when he turned his face to the wall, he made a turn that began to turn everything around. God could not help. He began to take delight in what he heard. His ears began to hear and the, the voice of the one that he called his own. May I ask us the question this morning? When did he hear our voice last? Notice this cry, it impacted him so much that he turned his prophet around while he was in the outer court and sent him back and simply said this, go tell Hezekiah that I heard your prayer and I saw your tears. How much more comforting those words are from the words that he had just previously heard. Get your house in order, you're gonna die. But because he turned and he wept and he cried, he now hears, I heard your prayer and I saw your tears. The season of sickness and death in that moment was brought to an abrupt end because there was humility and there was a turning from a place of pride. You say, what does that have to do with you and I today? Notice with me. I want us to hear the word of the Lord. God is calling us to a place of prayer. Across this nation, across the body of Christ, across the nations of the world. And if we respond, I sincerely believe that there is an abrupt end to some things that we are now witnessing. But if we continue in the state of our prideful condition, we will continue to experience darkness and death. God cannot nor will he ever bless 
pride. One of the greatest hindrances in the church in America as well as around the world today is that of pride. We have more than we've ever had, and I say thank God for it. We are blessed beyond measure. Thank God for it. We are no longer looked at and ridiculed as men and women that's living in a state of poverty, but we have more than what we need. And if we're not careful, we have become a house of pride instead of a house of prayer. But Matthew chapter 21 and 13 reminds us that his house will be called a house of prayer. Paul also reminds us that he is not talking about a building that's made with the hands of men, but he, Paul reminds us, and he's talking to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. He simply tells them, know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. So what we're finding out is this, the Lord simply says, my house will be called a house of prayer. And it isn't a building that you put a steeple on. It isn't a place of worship that you create but you are the place that I dwell in. And therefore, we are the place that is to be called the place of prayer. It is very clear how important it is for you and I to be men and women of prayer today. And I know in recent years, we have seen many that would simply say that these key principles of the faith are not necessarily necessary any longer. But I would stand here and ask you the question, why is it that we struggle with seeing men and women healed, delivered, and set free, even though we have great worship, even though we have all of the latest technology, even though we have all of the increased blessings, uh, but yet we do not operate on the level that the generations before us operate on uh, in the midst of their lack, in the midst of their little pot belly stove, in the midst of them worshiping in garages, uh, and in the midst of being on the other side of the track, so to speak, uh, in the midst of their ridicule, in the midst of them not having the finer things of life. Uh, but when somebody was sick and when somebody was dying, uh, the believer would show up and lay their hands upon them, uh, anointing them with oil, praying the prayer of faith, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, gourds would fall off, uh, sickness would would be dispelled. Uh, why is there such a contrast between them uh, and us today? Uh, why is it uh, that they had joy unspeakable? Uh, why is it that we're bound uh, with all kinds of things? Uh, why is it that they could shout and dance and lift their hands without a coach? Uh, but today we got to spend 30 minutes of our worship time getting people to engage. Uh, why is there such a contrast? Uh, it isn't because God is any different, uh, but what it is is this. Uh, they was not battling pride. Uh, they was not in the midst of the abundance. Uh, but everything that God has brought to us uh, he has brought as a blessing. Uh, but we have fallen in love with the blessing instead of the blesser. Uh, and therefore we are now men and women of pride. Uh, we made it, we, I know you ain't going to shout me down this morning but that's all right. Uh, but you need to understand uh, in this state, uh, we're, we're hearing in the spirit, the Lord says, if there's not a change, death is coming. Uh, but if you'll come back to where you need to be, 
He said, if you'll come back to where I want you to be. Uh, I'm not saying you have to go backwards to go forward. Listen, uh, but what I am saying uh, is that that which the generations before us had, uh, they operated in humility. Uh, they operated in a place where they understood that God was their source. Uh, they understood that without him they could do nothing. Uh, but today we have got into a place where we think, uh, well, if I sit the right key, uh, if I just uh, tickle the ivories in the right manner, uh, I can make some gyrations happen. Uh, and I can get some people entertained. I can get them on their feet. Uh, I can get them jumping up and down like pogo sticks. Uh, and I can make them believe uh, that they had an encounter with God. Uh, but the problem with that is they walk out oppressed. Uh, they walk out depressed. Uh, they walk out with signs uh, and wonders not following them. Uh, but they walk out discouraged uh, and saying, I just don't know if I can take it another day. Uh, but if I can ever get you back to a place where the anointing of God is present, uh, those people will be delivered and set free. Uh, but there is no shortcut to this thing, my friend. Uh, the reason uh, that those that was before us saw miracle signs and wonders uh, is because they was willing to lay between the porch and the altar. Uh, they was willing to weep all night long. Uh, they wasn't willing to just say a prayer for 30 seconds, uh, but they said, we'll stay here till we get, uh, till we get an answer. Uh, how many times have we heard, uh, I'm going to the woods, uh, uh, Lucy, and I'm not coming back until I get an answer. Uh, when was the last time you ever had that determination to say, uh, I've got to hear from God? Please hear me, Hezekiah found himself lifted up with pride uh, and the result of his pride was boils on his body uh, and then he was sitting there God says, you're gonna die, son. Uh, you have lost your way. Uh, but when Hezekiah began to repent uh, and he humbled himself, uh, God sent the prophet and said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to add to your life 15 years uh, but also not only am I going to add to your life, uh, you know this situation that you find yourself in, uh, in this city, uh, this assembly, Syrian army that's around you. Uh, this darkness is trying to destroy your people. Uh, I am going to bring a deliverance to them. Uh, and not only am I going to deliver you, uh, but I am going to defend this city. Uh, I come to tell somebody this morning, uh, I refuse to be silent in this hour. Uh, while you sit there, I'm going to preach to you this morning. Uh, it's time for somebody to make a decision uh, to turn to the wall. Uh, I'm here to tell you I don't need everybody. Uh, I just need somebody uh, that'll turn turn because can I tell you if I can get somebody to turn then I can tell you that there's a city going to be spared there's a city that will be defended not by the might of men but by the supernatural power of God and if the city is defended that means somebody's family is going to be saved somebody's family is going to be delivered I don't know about you but somebody needs to turn and face the wall this morning Please hear me. I, 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 got to, I got to be honest with us this morning. Uh, I know the world would tell you uh, that if you want to have success, uh, then you just get away from that prayer thing. Uh, get away from this. Uh, but listen, uh, if you want to understand the truth, uh, the Bible shows the absolute necessity of prayer. You and I cannot get around it this morning. You have heard this passage mentioned and referenced and quoted and read hundreds of times in this house. But we have to visit again this morning, 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14. The Lord appeared to Solomon by night. Why did he come to him in the night season? 
Was it because God needed something to do? But he come to him at night because of the simple fact Solomon had been in a state of prayer. Notice he says this, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and I have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. Get this. If I choose to shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves. What did Hezekiah do? He humbled himself. They'll humble themselves and do what? Pray. Does it say worship? Does it say sing? Nothing wrong with that. Those things are very important. We must do that. But we have bought into the lie of the enemy. Listen, the enemy doesn't care how many times you sing, God is good. Because if you don't know him, oh, uh, don't meddle in my worship, preacher. Listen, 95% of what we do under the umbrella of worship in America is not worship. Because everything we do in a worship service is engaged for us to feel good. It's all about making me feel, me feel, me feel. None of it is ever sent upward. It's all focused right here on self. That's not worship, my friend. Oh, the air conditioner could have at least kicked on. It wouldn't have been so quiet about right then. I felt all of that. But that's all right. Please hear me. Worship. True worship, Lord help me. Worship has nothing, nothing to do with you or me. Worship has everything to do with him. I fall down on my knees and worship him. <laughs> if it was really about him the spotlights across America would not be on our talent and I'm not against lights and I'm not against the smoke I, if that's what it takes that's what it takes I'm not against that if I was in the inner city I'd probably be doing the same thing oh and all of you just lost, fell out with me no because I understand my people <laughs> I understand certain things to do. I, I get that. But at the same time, please hear me. The reason that we have such a light show in the church across the nations today is because we are getting worship off base. We're getting it to a place where it's worship, and then the worship is centered on men. It's centered on talent, and it's not centered on him. And therefore, the enemy simply says this, oh, you can worship all you want to because when our worship, we're really not even talking to God. But if I could ever get somebody to humble themselves and talk to God. You hear me? If I could get somebody to turn to the wall. Because what people don't understand is they don't understand this. There's a man that is near death. He's sick. There's boils on his body. And he just gets a mandate from a prophet that says, get your house in order because you're going to die. And in that moment of time, he could have chose to say, woe is me. But in that moment, he decided to worship that's true worship. 
he turned and he faced the wall and he began to cry. Can I tell you, anytime there is a cry from a place of humility, God hears it and receives it as worship. Because God is acknowledging the fact that there's a human being down there that acknowledges that I am who I say that I am. And he says, that's worship to me. Please hear me. And because Hezekiah does this, notice he begins to enact that which we read in 2 Chronicles 7, 12 through 14. And that it was this, when the Lord says, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Can I tell you, there can never be healing unless first there's forgiveness. And there can never be forgiveness unless first there is humility and a cry of repentance. And that's exactly what Hezekiah was doing. He said, God, forgive me. I'm turning. I'm showing you I'm turning from everything that has made me get lifted up in pride. And therefore, I am turning. And because he turned, please hear me. Because he turned, God did not just hear. He did not just see. But he began to speak into that. And he said, I'm going to give you 15 years. And by the way, I'm also going to bring deliverance to a city. But I'm not just going to deliver it, but I'm going to raise up a standard and I'm going to protect it. Here's what I want to say this morning. I sense a prophetic utterance in my spirit today. That if God's people will make a decision to turn, not only is there an extension of life coming, but there is a deliverance coming to the United States of America that is not expected and something that we don't deserve, but it's an extension of God's grace. And this that's getting ready to come back to our nation is not just going to be a hand of deliverance over the next 18, 19 months that we're going to experience and witness. But I hear the Lord saying in my spirit, if they will turn and they will truly worship me, not only will I bring a deliverance, but I am going to raise a standard up and it will be protected for years to come. Listen, my friend. This is not about political parties. This is not about election cycles, but this is about a church awakening to the fact that we have been lifted up with pride, but when we will humble ourselves in turn, we will begin to experience that which Hezekiah did, and what he experienced was an extension of life and blessing and favor. That's why Paul in his writing says, we are to pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. You can never get away from this. You have to ask yourself this question. Do I desire to be the house of the Lord? My prayer is that everyone under the sound of my voice would say, yes, I desire to be the house of the Lord. Then you can got to go to Isaiah 56 and 7 and realize that he says, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. That means this, you, there's no escaping this thing. The only way that you and I are going to ever really truly be the house in which the Lord dwells will be when we bring this house under subjection and we operate and live in humility and we operate in a place where we are putting our faith and trust in him continually. 
That's why Paul, when he's writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse 8, he says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. Not lifting up just any hands, but lifting up holy hands. How many knows there cannot be holy hands unless first there's a place of humility in a man? But he said, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Can I tell you right now, Hezekiah, when he turned, he was not doubting, but he was putting his faith and trust back in the one that he had known. We do not have any room for doubt today. Our families are hanging in the balance. Our communities are hanging in the balance. Nations are hanging in the balance today. The scripture teaches us that we are to pray, but we are to pray in a specific way. Hebrews 11 and 6 tells us this. We are to pray in faith. What's that mean? It means that we believe when we pray. That God's going to do what his word says he will do. Not based on anything else. James chapter 1 verses 6 through 8 instructs us that we are to pray without wavering. What's that really mean, preacher? It means this. That we are not moved by what we see or what we hear, but we are steadfast, unmovable in the promises of God's word. How many knows that his word is true? You really believe his word is true? Do you really believe that he took those 39 stripes on his back for our healing? Do you really believe that? then you cannot let any doctor's report not taking away anything from them. You can't let any negative thing that you hear or see remove you from that place where God says you can be and live and dwell. Doesn't matter. Please hear me. 1 John 5, 14 and 16 instructs us to pray according to God's will. Does anybody know what God's will is this morning? What's God's will? Somebody may ask. Jeremiah 29 and 11. Can anybody quote that scripture this morning? Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts that I have for you. That's his will. What's his will? Goodness, blessing, health, favor. Hear me. That's his will. So that's how we pray. Our story today is not an isolated story. You, you can't just brush this off and say, well, that was just because Hezekiah was special in the eyes of the Lord. No, 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 no. That, that for the sake of time, I don't have time to go everywhere I'd like to. But if you were to go to Acts chapter 2, 42 and 43, you would find that the early church, they stood steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. They broke bread together and they stayed in a place of prayer together. And because of that, notice what happened. There came, there came uh, an explosion, if you will, of signs and wonders that were done by the apostles. Because there was a place of humility, there was a place of unity, and there was a place that was filled with prayer. You say, oh, but that was the early church. But can I tell you, when you began to look throughout some great difficult seasons, dark seasons, Acts chapter 12, verse 5 through verse number 16, you'll read of a story 
of a man by the name of Peter, we find that there was a great attempt to destroy Peter and he was on assignment for death. He was on death row, if you will. We find that he was kept in prison and he was, he was there, but there was something taking place because we find that Herod, he had simply found that it had delighted that he was taking the life of men and women of God. And therefore he proceeded further to take Peter, places him in jail. But in the midst of this time, we find in verse number five, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church. And because of that, we find uh, that when Herod would have brought him the same night, Peter is lying and he's sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And we find that he's, the keepers kept the door of the prison, but uh, behold, the angel of the Lord stepped in. Why? It's because there was a group of people that had made a decision to turn towards the wall. And because of that, for the sake of time, I won't take you through that whole story. But notice what happens. The angel of the Lord comes in, smites him, says, get up, put your garments on, put your sandals on. And we find that because he begins to walk in obedience to the word that was delivered, we find that he walks out and he says, I know of a surety that the Lord has delivered me. Then he got back to the house where the people was praying. It was Mary's house. And he begins to knock on the door. And all of a sudden, little Rhoda hears and comes running and says, hey, he's out the door. He's delivered. And the very people that was praying for him to be set free began to say, oh, they've already killed him. That just is, that's just the ghost of Peter. She says, no, I've heard. I, I, I know it's him. Notice with me. There's a lot of people got a hard time grasping this thing, but I want, you to tell, I want you to hear me today. When somebody turns and they turn in prayer, the impossible becomes possible. And right now, how many knows that in the United States of America, we are in an impossible situation? You and I in our intellect, in our power, our ability, we cannot fix it. We cannot turn it around. But if somebody will turn in prayer, if somebody will turn, please hear me, there can begin to be something shift and change in this moment. As they come to the music this morning, I'm going to bring this to a close real quick. If I could say anything at all, if you hear nothing else at all this morning, please hear this. It's time to return to prayer. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says this. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Here's what I've come to discover. The reason that we're dealing with such anxiety and uncertainty amongst men and women of God, I'm not questioning the fact whether they love him or not. I'm not questioning their salvation experience, but the reason that there is such an oppressing spirit amongst believers today, the reason that the people of God today that is experiencing the same struggles that the people in the world are is because we are a people that no longer pray. I'm not saying engage in religious prayer activity. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about getting a people that begins to fall in love with Jesus so much that they want to stay in his presence. I am honest enough 
and transparent enough to tell you today that much prayer is grievous to this fleshly body if you try to do it in a religious fashion. But if you will do it because you fall in love with Jesus, prayer does not become a hard task, but it becomes a place that you want to live and dwell. My father was just a mere man like any other man. But somewhere along his journey with God, he fell in love with him in a manner that led him to a place where he could not be along with him enough. And that's why I could walk to his place of prayer and find his knee imprints in the earth. It was because it wasn't a hard thing, but it was something that he desired. Smith Wigglesworth made this statement, I believe it was him, he simply said, rarely do I pray over a half hour at a time, but he said, I never go a half hour without praying. It was a lifestyle, it was a place in which they lived because they understood that when I'm in his presence, get this now, there is fullness of joy. How many knows there's comfort when you're in a place of fullness? Well, how do you know that, preacher? Can I tell you? All of you drive vehicles, right? At some point in time, you've probably been going down the interstate and you forgot that you needed to get fuel. And you look down and you saw that little needle right on E and you say, I don't know how long it's been there. All of a sudden, you become so uncomfortable. Why are you so uncomfortable? It's because you know that you're almost on empty. Right? But when you get off that exit, thank God the exit was there. But when you turned off and you got at that exit and you was able to put that nozzle in there and pay $85, you're lucky if you do it for $85 now. If you're in my truck, it's 200 almost. Lord, help us, Jesus. You fill it up. You get back in that vehicle and you pull out on the road, there's a sense of relief. There's a sense of fullness. There's comfort. I'm going to make it to my destination. Why? It's because you're at a place on full. That'll preach right there. Can I tell you, the reason there is such uncomfortability in the body of Christ is because we're operating and living on empty. And you say, I don't like this feeling. I don't like this place of emptiness. And you've sung and you've danced and you've shouted and you heard the preacher preach and he's even spit on you at times. But yet you're still uncomfortable because you're on this place of empty. Can I tell you, no man, no service, no conference, no camp meeting will ever move that needle in your life. But if somebody will fall in love with Jesus and will begin to call out to him and pray, it's just like turning off on that exit. And you don't even have to pay for this fill-up. It's already been bought and paid for 2,000 years ago. Does it cost you anything? And you can pull back out onto that road and say, you know what, I'm full. And there's a sense of joy, peace, rest. So we've come to the most important part of this service today. James chapter 5, 13 through verse number 16. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. 
I don't want to spend much time here today, but there's, I do want to be honest and transparent with you. There's a lot of people that de- think that they're dealing with sickness, but you're not dealing with a sickness. You're dealing with an affliction. And it doesn't matter how many times granny prays or papa prays or mommy prays or daddy prays, you'll never get free from it because it's the Lord trying to get your attention. You have to pray if you're afflicted. Nobody else's prayer will deliver you from that affliction. If there's a stronghold in your life, listen, I'm praying with you and for you that you're delivered. But if there's a stronghold in your life, if there's an affliction on your life, listen, you got to say, God, I'm trusting you. Afflictions always give birth to sickness and sickness always gives birth to death. But it goes on. James doesn't stop there, but he simply says these words. But he says, is anybody merry, anybody happy in your presence? Let them sing. Listen, there's a, there's a power in a song. I'm not taking away from that. But if any is sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Get this. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual favorite prayer of a righteous man availeth much. This is why the enemy battles you so much when you try to pray. Because he knows if you ever become a man or a woman that prays, you are a man and a woman that he can never have authority over again. Don't miss that. He loses every ounce of ability to make anything stick to your life because a praying man, a praying woman operates in the power and the authority of their king and it changes everything. But it doesn't just change things for them but it changes things for the geographical location in which they live. That's why today there is an urgency in my spirit. Listen, I'm thankful for the worship. I'm thankful for the praise. I'm thankful for all of the blessings. But we have got to be men and women of prayer. Without it, we are fooling ourselves. Here's three prayers I want to give you very quickly, and I'm closing this morning with these three prayers. If you were to read Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7, you will find there's three prayers in that one verse. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7. Let me read it to you very quickly. I say quickly, but technology is not moving quickly. It's okay. Here we go. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now, what's that mean? Number one, ask. It is the prayer of faith. How do we, what do we do when we pray a prayer of faith? 
we don't have all the answers. We just lay a hold of his promises in his word. If you're going to pray the prayer of faith, you go to the word of God and say, God, what does your word say concerning this? And then when you read it, you get your hands a hold of it and you refuse to let go and you lay a hold of it and say, okay, I'm holding on to it. This is my prayer of faith. By your stripes, I am healed. Nobody's going to let me lose my grip on that. Nobody. Seek. This is the prayer of dedication. What do you mean? To know the will of God. He said, seek and you shall find. Tied right in with the first one. If you don't understand what God is saying, what's his will? What's his will? I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek. I'm going to pray the prayer of dedication. But then knock. What is that, preacher? It is the prayer of intercession. We touch heaven for others when we knock. Can I tell you this morning, we need to be knocking for some family. We need to be knocking for our community and we need to be knocking for our nation. We need to be seeking his will. Can I remind you, his word says, do not lean to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. God, what is your plan? What do you want, God? How do you want me to pray concerning this situation or this, uh, this circumstance? How do you want me to handle this, God? I'm seeking your direction. And then when he gives that direction, Lord, I'm asking you to do. I'm praying the prayer of faith. Your word says, your revelation to me says, so I'm going to grab a hold and I'm not going to let go. This morning. It's not always easy, but it's always necessary for men and women to turn and face the wall. I wonder today, is there anybody willing to turn? As we stand all over this house in the presence of the Lord this morning, stillness of his presence I wonder today I wonder today if there's a man a woman, a boy, a girl that is in that place where they may feel like death is upon them they may feel like they can't go on. They may feel like it's just overbearing. It's just too much. I just can't feel. I can't continue as I am. I've got good news for you this morning. You're in the presence of some men and women that have turned their face to the wall. And they're not operating and living in a place of pride they are living in a place of humility God is doing a work in their lives and they are sensitive to the leading of the spirit of God and because of that in this house this morning is the anointing and the power and the virtue that flows from the throne room of heaven that can bring healing and deliverance to any situation or circumstance that's present in this room you say that's a bold statement preacher 
it's an accurate statement because where the people of God is there is authority and there is power because he lives and dwells inside of us and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that quickens this mortal body in ourselves we can do nothing but through the power and the anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that's in our life there is nothing that we must fear but maybe you're one that said you know I love the Lord and I've given my life to him but today you're here and you say you know what I Everything in the world is pulling at me and taking me. And I, I know that I'm not, I, I'm not turned my face to that wall like you've preached about this morning. Can I tell you? I'm not standing in a place of judgment over you today. But I'm telling you, I'm urging you to make that decision to do that today. Because you have the ability to impact not just yourself and your current situation, but you have the ability to impact your family, your community, and your nation. I'm thankful for everything that God has done. But we have yet to see what he desires to do. And the only thing that's keeping him from releasing some things that's been reserved for this hour if we're not careful is our pride but when you turn to the face the wall my friend there is no distraction there nothing else matters but when you begin to face the wall and you begin to cry loud begins to be a change the atmosphere changes the report changes divine reversals begins to be set in motion so this morning if you're under the sound of our voice I don't do this all the time but I'm going to ask every head bowed every eye closed just for a moment I feel like I need to do that today just for a moment I would never do anything to embarrass anybody in this room. You may be in this house every week. Maybe the first time you've ever been here. Doesn't matter. But you would say, I, I need God to do something in my life today. And you're under the sound of our voice this morning. I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand and you can put it right back down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands all over this building. As we stand together, church, I want you just to begin to pray right where you are. I want you to begin to knock right now for those hands that was lifted. You're interceding for those that need a touch right now. And even if you lifted your hand and you are one that says, I, I have a need, I want you to begin to pray for those other hands that was lifted for a moment before we go any further. Because this is a time to face the wall. Now, as we're in this attitude of prayer, if you lifted your hands, I'm going to give you an invitation to step from your seat and come and join me in the front of this building right now. 
I'm going to ask you to stand across the front of this building with me because we're going to do what the word of the Lord says today. We're going to anoint you with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and I'm believing for you to receive your healing, your deliverance, whatever it is that you may need today. Whether the enemy's been tormenting your mind, whether he's been dealing with your relationships, whether he's been tormenting your physical body, it doesn't matter to me what it is. I'm here to tell you my God's bigger. And I know that there's men and women in this room that have their face towards the wall. And that's why I can have confidence today knowing this, that when we pray, things will turn on your behalf. So as they began to minister this morning in song, I want to ask one more time, if you're in this room and you lifted your hand, would you come and join me? Would you come right now? Would you come? If you lifted your hand, come. There was hands lifted all over this building. But I'm not going to beg. I, I, listen, you got to come on, the, on your own free will. God wants to meet you. God wants to touch your situation, touch your life today. Listen, do not allow the enemy to steal what God has for you in this season because God is turning some things. There's a turn taking place. Here's what I'm going to ask for the elders of the church today, these elder men and women of God, these men and women, spirit-filled men and women of God. I want you to come. I want you to stand behind those that came this morning. And we're going to anoint them with oil and we're going to pray over them. We're going to pray the prayer of faith, believing and trusting the Lord is going to do what needs to be done. Amen. As they just worship in song and as you worship with them, as you're standing where you are, lift your hands this way and just pray. Pray for these men and women of God. Today. Hey everyone, thanks for watching. I hope this message blessed you. And if you could, please check the description below for all of our links to our social medias. Um, and as always, check our page. You'll see all of our previous messages there. Uh, I hope this message again blessed you and uh, reached you where you're at. And thanks for watching. See you soon.